0: I think I was five years old when I remember um, Wednesday nights. They were special in our home. Some of you have heard about my father. He was a choir leader for over 40 years. He loved music. He loved choir. He would stay up late writing hymnals by hand because they were not available. I think he wrote like 12 of, of hymnals, all by hand. And so, uh, Wednesday nights we had choir practices. So in our living room, so to speak, there would be four rows of chairs that my father would set up and people, st- people start coming. I loved winter because uh, choir members would bring their kids and we would have a lot of fun playing outside with the snow. Uh, sometimes we'd we'll play little hockey. Sometimes we'll just uh, do the snowball fl- fight <laughs> outside. It would be, it would be just a, my favorite evening of all week was Wednesday night. I think I was like five years old when um, two policemen showed up during choir practice, but they were not um, dressed like a police. Uh, I, I think. They might have been sent by police, we don't know who they were, but they were representatives to check what was going on. So they came inside and uh, my father offered two chairs for them. They wanted to be present during the choir practice. My father's greatest concern was my brother Gregory, because I think my brother Gregory was like 15 at the time, maybe 16. So the biggest concern during that time would be if you have children when you have religious activity. And many pastors that were arrested during that time, they were arrested because the children were present in the congregation. So Gregory at the time I think he was like 15, and he was in the choir. He was singing alto, and so those two representatives, they sat down, they observed what was happening, and uh, my father loves to tell this story. He said, I invited the choir to stand up and sing our two best songs that we could offer to them. So they sang two of the best uh, songs, hymns, that they could praise the Lord with. And those two representatives, they were just sitting and observing and listening and everything. (laughs) At the end of that uh, performance, so to speak, my father turned to those two um, guests. And he said, do you have any questions um, to me or to anybody? They said, no, we don't have any questions. They stood up and left. just a few years later, just a few years later, the Iron Curtain goes down, and all of a sudden we have freedom now to preach publicly and do evangelism in any building that belongs to the government even. They would open the buildings, and we didn't know what to do with it. Because just like yesterday, they were watching us to see where they can find fault with us and put us in prisons. Now they say, please come and share Christ openly and you'll be fine. And our people didn't know if they would be fine. Because just yesterday it was different. And people would go to prison for the same thing so who do you send first to pave the way right guess who would go first into those open doors it was the same choir the music programs were opening um, trial runs for evangelism that would be happening In the former Soviet Union, now in early 1990s, when the Iron Curtain would come down and we had new freedoms, our churches started performing music programs in public halls. We would advertise music program. We would advertise uh, choir. We would advertise spiritual concert, spiritual concert. And we didn't know if anybody would show up and you wouldn't believe people would flock the buildings and fill the buildings to hear something spiritual, something new they've never heard before. It was an amazing time. But what was even more amazing, (laughs) that neither the choir director nor singers had received any music education. None, like my dad, he had zero classes of music. I mean, totally zero. He never received any music education. And the choir leaders that would be conducting those concerts, they never had any education, why? Because to receive education in the former Soviet Union, you have to be a member of the Youth um, Communist Party, or the Communist Party, denying faith in God, that was your only ticket to get into the higher educational institutions. So most of our members I would say ninety percent of our members were janitors that's the only job you can get. Some of them were drivers but not higher than that. They were washing windows, they were sweeping the streets. I remember when we first got even our uh, like first district to minister and we come through town on the weekday, we see the members of our church sweeping the streets. So it was impossible to get higher education. The choir members were just people also without music education. So we are performing these concerts in the public halls in the the different um, settings and people come And people who are in the audience, they have the highest music education. And people who are performing on the stage have no music education. What do you think would be a result of that disproportion? Under normal secular circumstances, people in the audience, they would say, wait a minute, we came to hear this this is not professional or whatever in the secular setting but not so when the god opened the doors those people that were in the audience they were converted to christ why not because of the super polished performance why were they converted to christ it's because god's presence was there God worked and when God works there is more than we can understand or explain and people committed their lives to Jesus not because of the level of performance but because God could use those musicians and those uneducated choir directors To convey the message that Jesus is Lord and that God loves you and that God can save you and you can trust in God. So, what I want to tackle with you in this mini series of sermons is the purpose and the power of praise. The purpose and the power of praise. And I know I am standing on the holy ground because when we talk about worship, when we talk about praise, when we talk about our experience with God, who am I to have all the answers? But we will open the word of God, we will seek, we will seek the Lord and I believe that he will guide us in understanding of his will when it comes to the purpose and the power of praise. So the purpose of anything is determined by by its origin. You have a pew that you're sitting on, it was created for that purpose, right? We have a microphone, it has a purpose, it was created for that purpose to amplify the sound so you can hear. Everything was created, was created with a purpose. And so when we want to understand praise, music and uh, its purpose, we need to look at the origin. Where is it coming from? Well, when they study Egyptian pyramids, they found that the songs and the words of the songs are written in hieroglyphic language. And they are the songs that were used for different um, sad events in Egypt, when somebody dies, and at, at the funeral, when they were building those pyramids or they were conducting whatever funeral, they would use songs. So the songs date back all the way to, to ancient Egypt. For secular, from secular standpoint, from secular standpoint, they 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 find out that um, Greek philosophers and ancient Greeks they believe that music comes. Um, from outside of this world. And uh, they even had a Greek goddess of music. And that's where we get the word music. Um, It comes from the name of the Greek uh, philosophy. If I can pronounce his name correctly, Pythagoras. Did I say it right? Pythagoras, a Greek philosopher. (laughs) We'll move on, right? Pythagoras, uh, he, they say that he assigned a numeric Values to music and he developed the structure that we have today in music because music is math basically It's a structure. It's a structured uh, uh, Science if you will, although it goes beyond that. It's not limited to that But when we look at the Bible What can we learn about the origin of music from the Bible in the book of Job 38 verses 4 and 7? God is asking Job these questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you are able, if you have understanding. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So singing, obviously, what's happening at the creation of this earth? It was a great event. The earth is being created, a new planet. And the music is already sounding. So what it tells you and me that the music was there before we were there. Amen? Because it originates with God. The Music originates with God. It existed before the creation of the world. That means that if music originates with God, then obviously its purpose is higher than just what we could invent, and what we could assign to music. It has a higher purpose since it originates with God. Did you know that God sings? In Zephaniah 3.17 it says, The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with what? Singing. Singing. Music is from God. God sings. And He sings with joy and gladness. It is interesting that the voice of God in the Bible is also described in terms of music instruments or like... um, being compared to the sound of music instruments. For example, if you remember Revelation 1 John says, I turned and I heard the voice like a voice of a trumpet music instrument here. In Revelation 14 verse 2, I don't have the reference on the screen but if you're taking notes you can you can jot it down. Revelation 14 2 when it describes God's voice it describes again that it sounds like a music of harpists playing their harps. In other words, my friend, when God speaks, when God speaks, there is music. Wow! If Lucifer had such a great music ability, wouldn't you think that God supersedes Lucifer? In his music abilities? So, music originates with God. It has a divine origin. And when we think about eternity and the redeemed standing on a sea of glass, the redeemed will be given few things. What are those things? Do you know what we will be given by the grace of God when we are there? You remember a new name, right? A crown, a Branches of palm trees will be given a new name, a white stone, a crown, and a harp. Will be given each of us will be given a harp. You know, now think about all the mass production of harps <laughs> that takes place in heavenly factories, if you will. Because each of the redeemed, now, not just the praise team, but everyone will receive a harp. And when you sound those harps, it will be a perfect harmony. Now, it takes time to learn to play instruments, right? They say it takes from three to five years to learn to play an instrument. If you want to learn to play an instrument today, it will take some time and practice. But over there, praise the Lord, God will give you that ability to To have a perfect pitch and to play perfect music and you will sound just awesome. So if in the presence of God for eternity there is music and the redeemed will be singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb and they will be playing harps. It's a high priority I would say before the throne of God if the music is so um, important for God. The question that I have, is it as important for us here today? Because we may think, well, if we have music in church, that's okay. But if we don't, it's okay. As long as we have at least a preacher or something. So my question is, how important is the music? if it takes such a high importance in the presence of God? Is it important for us? So let's look at the music in the Bible. The first song recorded is in Exodus 15, after they crossed the sea and Miriam is leading in song service. They're singing the song Giving praise to God. The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Beautiful song. The the words are written. It's, It's nice that we have the words of the song in Exodus 15. So that's the first song recorded in the Bible. Exodus 15. Now amazingly, that there is a last song also recorded in the Bible in Revelation 15. And those two songs are very similar. It would be an amazing study to study Exodus 15 song and Revelation 15 song. First and the last song in the Bible, very similar. Because they praise God. Both songs are, are dedicated to the salvation that we have in the Lord. Now, you may be asking this question. I know you pastor like music and you you want to talk about music that's fine but like Abraham he was worshiping there was not much music going on and it was kind of fine and with Moses we don't find too many things about music with Moses so what about this importance of music today the music becomes an important an integral part of worship at the time of reign of the of king david when david becomes the king music becomes very important actually there were three stages in which david introduces music into every part of the of the worship experience the first stage david brings uh, when they bring the ark for the first time, David organizes a special music service. So in 1 Chronicles 13, and um, let's see if we have it. First um, Chronicles 13 and verse 8, um, I don't think I have it on the screen, so I'll read it from the scripture. In 1 Chronicles, let's see. 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 8, they bring in the ark for the first time and David organizes this music service. Verse 8 we read, And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with song and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. So they're bringing the ark and, and, and David organizes this music service. That's the first stage. Now when they brought the ark, the ark was not yet brought into the tabernacle. It was waiting in the house of a member of Israel family for three months. And then there is a second stage when they're bringing the ark into the tabernacle. So that's when, uh, where I have my next text in 1 Chronicles 15-16. Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers, accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps, and cymbals, by raising the voice with resounding joy. So choirs were organized. Music instruments are now, um, again, involved in this service of praise in verse 28 says, Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with a shouting and with the sound of the horn with trumpets and with cymbals making music and stringed instruments and harps. So again we see this big celebration and music is taking place. Now, when the new temple is built, David has a vision how to organize music ministry in the new temple that would be built. And we know that the Lord gave his son Solomon that privilege of building the temple. So now, if you read 1 Chronicles chapter 25, out of the Levites that were 38,000 in number, David assigns 4,000 Levites to be musicians. How many do they say? 4,000 musicians for one temple. And by the way, the, the, the size of the temple, if you don't count the external walls, was like 70 feet by 40 feet. How many musicians for 70 feet by 40 feet temple? 4,000 musicians. David, are you serious? Do you need that many? Is music important for David? 4,000 musicians. That's like um, 10% of all the Levites. Let's read in First Chronicles. Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons of Asaph, of Heman, and Judithon, who would prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. Now, notice that they would be um, doing music, but they are called prophets. They are prophesying. They are um, they're an important part of the, of the whole service. In verse 7, we read that, um, so the number of them with their b- brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord and were skillful was 180, 288. Now, out of the 4,000 musicians, there was 288 that were even more skillful. And they were like leaders of those 4,000. It's an incredible chapter. If you read it, there is a lot of structure that David is developing into that music ministry. This structure that David developed would continue and would be still followed for 340 years until the time when Hezekiah was the king and even 440 years later when Josiah was the king. So this structure, this um, music ministry was in place for hundreds and hundreds of years, whatever David has developed. I have a question. David, David, On what authority did you decide that this is the way to do it? There are three possible answers. Answer number one. Well, David was a musician, so he could invent whatever he wanted. Is that a good reason to change and reform the whole service in the sanctuary? If you're a good musician, if you're skilled, can you change everything? Probably not, right? A second reason, let me give you a second suggestion. Well, people loved David, and they would go with anything David would do. Is that a good reason to do all the reform at the temple? Probably not. Reason number three, or possibility number three, David is the king. And whatever king does, goes. Can the king safely mess up with sanctuary service? Is this the area of his responsibility? Do you remember Uzziah the king? Did I say his name right? Who wanted to offer sacrifices and was covered with leprosy for the rest of his life until the day he died. Because the king had no business to mess up with the sanctuary service. So, on what authority? David makes a tremendous change. Didn't he respect Moses? If anything would need to be done in the sanctuary, then Moses would have mentioned it in the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Levites, and everything would be organized the way it should be. So who gave David the authority? The answer is in 2 Chronicles 29-25. He stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres in the way prescribed by David and Gad, the king seer, and Nathan the prophet. For this was commanded by the Lord through his prophets. Uh Aha! So David did not invent this music ministry. David did not come up with this music ministry. He didn't install all the musicians because he was loved by the people or because he was skilled in music or because he was the king. What was the reason for this change? According to the scripture. It was commanded by who? By the Lord through his prophets. So David did not do it on his own authority. He made this big change because it was commanded by the Lord. So we established two things. Music comes from God. Amen? It originated with God. We established the second point. That it, it is of a highest purpose. And it takes Priority in the worship service, at least during the time of, of David, and it was commended by God. So what is the purpose of music and praise? Why did we have praised him this morning, right here? When I started studying for this sermon, I thought I will do one sermon, but it looks like I will do a mini-series. The title is The Purpose and the Power of Praise. Today, when I look with you at the purpose of praise, the next Sabbath, by God's will, we will look at the power of praise. So what is the purpose of praise? To properly understand There is only one way to properly understand the purpose of praise. The praise is taking place in the context of worship. Let me repeat it. The praise is taking place in the context of worship. Amen? So the only way to properly understand the purpose of praise is to understand the purpose of worship. What is worship? That's why I said in the beginning that I'm standing on the holy ground because this is something very, very serious. As Linwood Church, the the biggest thing we do as once a week we come together as a church family and we worship. So what is the purpose of worship? What is worship? I'd like to suggest today three things about worship that I have discovered from the scriptures. Well, first of all, of all, number one, worship means putting God first. Let me explain. The word worship comes from Old English, they say. It comes from two words, worth and ship, which comes from the word sype and sype became shape and shape became ship so worth you know what worth is what worth means right it's the value and ship means a shape so worship is what are you attributing value in your life. Whatever has the highest value in your life, that's what you are worshiping. Because it has worth to you. You make it a priority. You you put it before other things because it's, it's of worth to you. So when we come to worship, worship number one is that we decided to, pe- to put God first and foremost in our lives. Now, in Hebrew, the word worship means to prostrate, to bow down, to, uh, to, pay, um, to pay honor. In Greek, it's interesting, the word in Greek is proskuneo, And it means to kiss somebody's hand. Literal meaning of the word worship in Greek means to kiss somebody's hand. What does it mean to kiss somebody's hand? In ancient times, when you kiss somebody's hand, it meant two things. First, your faithfulness, your allegiance. Um, It was like respect. It's, it's just more than respect because if if there is a king and the servant kisses his hand, it means I'm yours, I'm serving you. So there is an aspect of commitment and service and uh, and respect. Yes, respect too. So so you have that picture of kissing somebody's hand, and in our culture, it's not practiced, and especially in our days, like people don't even shake hands. So. Uh, Those are the meanings of the word in original. So first meaning of worship is it's vertical. God is at the center. And uh, let me say this. You cannot worship someone you don't know. You cannot worship someone you are not attributed real value to. Who is God for you in your life? Worship stems out of your understanding who God is and attributing worth to who God is. Let's read, it, let's read from Psalms 54. It says, I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O God, for it is good. Notice the word freely. That means nobody is asking you, nobody is begging you, please, could you do this, could you do that? You are doing it because you know who God is for you. And you do it how? How does it say here? Freely. You're not being compelled. You're not being forced. Pastor did not use any guilt to try to instill in you that you should do this or you should do that. No. Worship comes from the heart and is directed to God and to Him alone. Worship is giving, it's giving everything, it's giving your best to the Lord. In worship, God is, is first. Sometimes people say, well, I was in church, but I didn't really like it. Well, it's not about you. It's not about whether you liked it or not. If you come to worship, you are not in the center of worship. It's God who is the center of worship. You're coming to worship Him. You're coming to giving your best to Him and interesting statistics coming from Barna Institute um, in, in in the book by George Barna, Experience God in Worship he says, main reason millions of people in America go to church every week is not to worship God but instead to have a pleasing experience people are coming to church to have a pleasing experience very few people in Barna's research interviews actually said that the worship is something they do for God. Very few people said that in interviews. What did they say? Instead, large percentage of those who attend worship services on a regular basis, they claim they do so for personal benefit and pleasure. They have good programs for my kids. It's good for my family. It's good for me to take a break. I like the people in the church. I feel good when I go to that church? Did you notice the word I, I, I? So when we understand worship properly, then we can understand music. Music is not about people who sing. It's not about trying to please somebody. Music is about God. It's meant, the purpose of praise is to, to glorify God. It's not to glorify musicians. They didn't heal you from sickness. They didn't save you from that accident, musicians. They didn't, uh, they didn't provide um, salvation for you. Who did? Jesus did. He is worthy of praise. He is the one who needs to be exalted and praised and worshipped. He is, he is first and, and foremost. The definition of... Um, Worship that I like comes from Frederick Schroeder. Worship, at its highest and best, is the act of giving to God the honor and glory that are His due, without regard to any personal what? Satisfaction or benefit accruing from the act of adoration. Worship is my response to what God did for me. Amen? And two biggest things that God did for me is He is my Creator and He is my Redeemer. Those are two reasons why we worship Jesus. Why we worship God. Because He created us. He is worthy of our worship and praise. And so, in the center of worship is God then we understand the place of music properly. It's not about musicians. It's not about satisfaction. It's not about what I like, what I dislike. It's what I do for God, what I do for God. The the most beautiful scene of worship taking place around the throne of God is recorded in Revelation chapters four and five. If you will have time this afternoon, I want you to read those two chapters. Revelation 4 and 5. Now let me ask you a question, those who are students of the book of Revelation, who is at the center of worship service around the throne of God. It's the Lamb. It's the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb of God. In Revelation, let me see, I don't have that verse, but Revelation 5, Revelation 15, I believe, no, 5.12, It says, Worthy is the Lamb, Worthy is the Lamb, Worthy is the Lamb. He is in the center. Did you know there are two commandments about adultery in God's law? You thought about one. It's number seven, right? Is there another commandment about adultery in in God's law? Number one. I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. There are two commandments about adultery. One adultery is spiritual adultery, and one is physical. Why God is jealous God? Well, if you read scriptures, you read a lot about idolatry. What is the idol? Idol is something that you attribute more worth than to God himself, that takes place of God in your life. That's an idol. Exodus 20, verse 2 and 3, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. So the enemy, he wanted to lead people of God in adultery in the past. How about today? Is he working to find things in your life that would take the place of worship? How about money? Well, I need to make a living. So I'll pick up this other job. Sorry, pastor, I can't make it to the to the worship service and I just have too many things on my plate. And God says you shall not have any other gods. How about the toys that are available today? All the toys that take time and take attention and resources? How about sports? Sports? I saw on Facebook picture just this week, people are sitting during the Super Bowl, and they're covered in snow. And the comment was, if people would be so faithful in worshiping God and attending churches, this world would be a different place. If people would be so committed to God, as they are committed to, to the sports. My dad couldn't figure out sports. <laughs> he said, why they're all running after one ball? <laughs> he said, can they get each of them go to the store and buy themselves a ball and play with it? Why they have to run? Well, he was making a joke. Well, now I have, the girl says, now I have a boyfriend and he doesn't want me to go to church. So I decided I'll stay with him. Who has more worth to you? Well, I can come even closer to home. How about kids? We love kids. Well, Pastor, my kids didn't want to go to church this Sabbath, so I decided I'm not going to church either. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I want to say I understand. But in the light of the Scripture, what has more worth? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. So worship, number one is It means putting God first and worshiping Him Him first. What is the first and the greatest commandment? Love the Lord, how does it say? With all your heart and all your mind. Worship is treasuring the things of God so highly that you are that you will give everything else in exchange for them. Every Sabbath, worship lets you choose. Why did they say lets you choose? Because you are worshiping something already. Even when you think that I am not worshiping anything, everybody is worshiping something. What takes preference, what takes priority, what has the most value in your life, that's what you are worshiping. When we talk about divine worship, God gives you an opportunity to choose and to make that choice to put him first and foremost in your life. Will you choose him, my friend? He is the one who redeemed you. He is the one who saved you. He is the one who created you. He is the only one who is wor- worthy of your worship and praise. So reason number or purpose number one of praise and worship is putting God first purpose number two or the meaning of the worship number two worship means showing allegiance we understand great controversy and we understand that great controversy started in the presence of God over what over worship over worship let's not forget that the great controversy started over worship Lucifer would not worship God. He would lead others also to stop worshiping God. And he will do anything he can so you would stop worshiping God. That's his primary purpose. That's why this topic is so relevant and important in our day. Because the enemy is at work. He'll find all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's even your views in this spectrum of conversation about today's problems, or I see things differently, so I won't worship with these people. Really? Is that a good reason? Is that a sufficient reason? We know that the enemy will be escalating his efforts to deal with. The worship issue in the way that he will force people to worship him and prevent people from worshiping the Lord. Revelation chapter 13 talks about the beast power. And Bible tells me that Jesus is looking for worshipers. Do you remember his conversation with the woman at the well? He said that the Father is seeking worshipers that worship him how? In spirit and and truth. So, in all the discussions and controversies, the way you worship, you show allegiance to one power or you show allegiance to another power. In Revelation 14.7 says, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made the heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. The greatest urgent appeal to our time is appeal to worship. It's an invitation to worship God, to show allegiance to Him who made heaven and earth creator. And by the way, did you know that this is almost a quote word by word from where? You're a good students of the Bible. Help me now. Where is this quote coming from? The fourth commandment. Absolutely. It's coming from the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath comes to light it is presented as as the day of which God said this shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you so true worship in biblical sense it's showing your allegiance not to the beast power, not to the man-made sabbaths, not to the man-made traditions, but to show allegiance to God himself and to him as creator of the universe. Can you say amen to that? Worship, number one, means putting God first. Worship, number two, means showing allegiance to God. Do you remember when three young men were slaves in a foreign country? And the statue was raised, and the music was played, and the louder music was played, and even louder music was played, and they were told, now it's time to worship. They stood like nothing happened. (laughs) because they showed allegiance to whom? to God alone they said to the king our God is strong enough to save you from your king but even if he doesn't do that we will not bow down and we will not worship because we worship only one God a God in heaven we are living in a time when when things become gray everything goes everything is fine But God says, I am a jealous God. And here is the day of worship. Here is how you signify to the world that you choose me and you belong to me. Does God care today about it? In 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. Does it include Spokane? in Seattle and Montana and Oregon and California and the rest of the world. He is looking to strengthen those whose hearts are what? Fully committed to Him. Worship is the sign of allegiance. It's a sign of commitment. It's a sign of faithfulness. And God is calling us to, to worship Him. So when we are When we are singing, with the purpose of music is again directed to the same purpose. To show our allegiance to God. It's not just to create waves, and not just to fill time. It's not just to, to help people to come into the church. It testifies that we honor and worship the Creator God. And we choose Him. And we worship Him. Number three. The meaning of worship. Worship means a total dedication. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him it's coming from the nlt translation so in other translations it says this is going to be your spiritual version uh, worship what is going to be your spiritual worship if your worship is not just what is happening on the sabbath day but the rest of the life you present your everything and you live for Him every day. That way the music and the praise is not just a a weekend activity, it's the way that this music and the songs, they translate into every other area of life. How do I live? When we worship God, it's not limited to the place or time. It is happening in the place and time. But the point here is that it is extended into every other area of your life. The music that is playing in your car, can Jesus and angels joining in that music? Is his name being praised? It's what you are watching on the TV and the conversations that you are having is it pleasing and acceptable in the presence of God? It says when your worship spills into other areas of your life, this is truly the way you worship Him. This becomes a true worship. You can't separate the music from life of the musician you can't separate the praise from what is going on in the rest of the days of your life. Because the mentality we can have today is like "Well, I was in church, I paid my dues, I, I, I did it, yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was in church, yeah, but now I have to live my life and, and whatever happens, happens. Worship is life. Amen. Worship is living in the presence of God and and this is where our health message and healthful living come into place because Bible says whatever you do you shall eat or drink do it to to, to the glory of God. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10:31. I remember the vision of Isaiah. It was a difficult time in Israel. The king died. The future was looking bleak. And uh, there was not much hope. There was a lot of stress in the nation. And Isaiah says, On that year I saw the Lord in his temple. And what happened because of that vision? And Isaiah being in the presence of the Lord. In the beginning of our study today, I shared with you that those musicians in the audience and visitors in the audience, because of the presence of God, their lives were changed. Isaiah, in the presence of God, his life was changed. He found forgiveness. He found grace. He found New hope and the new mission that God has given to him. Everything happened because of one thing. He experienced the presence of God. The purpose of worship is that you and I would experience the presence of God.